Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Uh, awesome to be with you guys, as always, as we are getting closer and closer to the start of the regular season. We are only about 10 days away at this point. So things are getting real. The World Baseball Classic is getting closer uh, to an end. I think we're only a few days away from that. Uh, the U.S. plays Cuba in the semifinals tonight, Sunday night. Um, and so it's pretty cool the U.S. has gotten this far. I haven't really been able to spend a lot of time watching that. I have been watching more college basketball. Uh, probably a lot of you have been doing that. Uh, hopefully your brackets are uh, a little better than mine, but it's been a pretty crazy uh, March Madness season for sure. Uh, just a really fun time of year with that going on, with spring training happening. And uh, I love getting into April too. I'm a huge fan of the Masters. And of course, baseball starting. Uh, the uh, uh, March Madness kind of ends usually the first or second day of April. So this this time of year is one of my favorite times for sports in general. But of course, baseball more than any other getting started is is just really exciting time. Uh, so, you know, let's get into things uh, for the first thing I want to talk about today is unfortunate for the Mets. Um, and while it benefits the Braves, you certainly don't cheer for injuries to happen. Uh, at least I don't. Um, but Diaz went down there. Uh, their incredible closer, probably the best closer in baseball, goes down uh, during the baseball classic um, for the season. He has lost for the season. The injury occurred during a celebration at the end of the game. He closes out the game uh, pitching for Puerto Rico, and um, they win that game. The whole team is kind of jumping in this this big group. And you see this happen every now and then, and it's just a shame. And sometimes I wonder if maybe the, the group celebrations need to tone down a little bit. But he just goes down in a heap um, during, you know, this elation turns to to shock and horror for the, for the team. Uh, Diaz totally tore out his patellar tendon, and uh, they say that's pretty much a year. Um, eight eight months or more, which of course is going to take him through the entire uh, upcoming season. So the Mets, of course, have um, have committed an unprecedented amount of money to uh, this uh, this year's team, building a team, and of course uh, you want to be able to close games out. Uh, and uh, they had spent a record amount on Diaz. He he is the highest paid relief pitcher in all of baseball. Uh, Braves fans know know well how dominant he can be. Uh, you don't feel very confident. Even the Brave the Braves are pretty good at coming back against team uh, teams bullpens. But when Diaz comes in the game, you really don't feel very confident on what you can do. He's just so good. And so for the Mets now to not have him, it really in some ways uh, feels like it it opens the door even more so uh, for the Braves to step through that NL East um, that very difficult NL East and and get it. Of course, the Mets are still a very good team. This is not take them out of things, uh, not by a long shot. But, you know, I've mentioned that the Mets are in a little trickier situation, I think, than the Braves. On paper, especially if you look at, um, you know, Fangraph's War and other projections, the Mets and Braves are kind of neck and neck in terms of those overall projections. But the problem the Mets have is they are more highly leveraged on several really high-end stars uh, and don't have a you know as um, evenly spread out uh, talent on their team as the Braves do, and this is maybe the best example of that. 
you know, as I was going through team projections earlier this uh, this offseason, I noted this, that uh, Diaz is the best reliever in all of baseball, but the Mets bullpen is pretty pedestrian outside of him. And so now that he is down, they're in um, a load of trouble in terms of the bullpen. Uh, there's not a guy that is very obviously a shutdown um, closer candidate on the team. Uh, and generally, uh, after Diaz, they already were, were, you know, just pretty, pretty average in terms of their bullpen. The, the projections now show the Braves are a, a full three uh, wins above replacement above the Mets just in their bullpen. That is significant. Um, the Braves at a, at a 5.1 and the Mets all the way down at a 2.1. So, uh, you know, the, the Mets are still incredibly talented in a lot of ways. Of course, they still have uh, Verlander and Scherzer, and they have uh, some really good uh, stars in the field as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, the Braves, you can, you can foresee this happening. You get into tight games down the stretch. Maybe the Braves are down one or two runs going into the ninth. Well, you still feel like you got a pretty good shot against whoever the Mets are going to put out there. And, and that little bit of hope can can go a long way uh, in those big games. So obviously we'll have to see how that all plays out. But but the Mets uh, don't have the same depth. And, you know, not you're not wishing it on them. But if Scherzer were to go down or Verlander were to go down, they're in kind of the same situation. Uh, they are putting so much uh, and so much money as well, investing so much money in this team on a few big, big players and as we know with baseball, anybody can go down at any time, and you have to have the next guy up ready and contributing, and you wonder if the Mets have that. Uh, the Braves certainly do, right? The Braves' depth uh, is uh, prodigious, right? All-star level talent uh, at most positions, uh, with a couple of exceptions, left field being the most obvious one, uh, and we'll actually get into that a little bit later on in this uh, in this episode, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how the Mets bounce back from this. I'm sure they're uh, pretty nervous right now about what's going to happen with that bullpen, and I would not be shocked if they try to go out and, and get somebody either at the beginning of the season or maybe they they would have to wait to till the trade deadline. But I expect that they're going to take some action because they've committed too much money to this team to not uh, address this issue in some way. All right, let's move back into the Braves. A little bit. The first thing Braves related I really want to talk about today is the fifth starter spot, and uh, there's some there's been some shakeups since we talked last last episode. I mentioned how I was not very uh, pleased with what I'd seen from Ian Anderson, particularly. It just kind of looked like the same old stuff from Anderson, just with kind of this thrown in you know new slider that he's uh, he's throwing every now and then. But yeah, I mean, still just not be able to spot his pitches very well, uh, kind of sometimes effectively wild and some sometimes not very effectively wild. And um, and then Elder, not bad, you know, just maybe a little uninspiring, a guy that can probably be a solid fifth starter if you need him to be. He's been that for the Braves a little bit in the past. Uh, but, you know, a day or two after I posted that episode, uh, the Braves a little bit shockingly went ahead and sent down Anderson and Elder uh, to the minor league camp. And, uh, you know, what that immediately said <laughs> is that the job is probably either Jared Schuster's or Dylan Dodds. And this is now 
Um, you know, the beginning of spring training, those guys were not even thought of as the fifth starter, being in the fifth starter um, competition. And yet here they are. They both have pitched tremendously well during spring while Anderson and Elder have been, uh, you know, just not very good, if, if you're going to be honest. Uh, so here they are, and you got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they're both, um, obviously, they both had very good years last year in the minor leagues. It's not like they're coming from nowhere. Uh, they're a little older, actually. You know, you might think of these guys as being really young, up-and-coming prospects. They're both 24 years old, uh, which is, you know, they obviously have not broken into the major leagues yet, but they're also kind of in that age where you really want to start breaking into the majors. And so you, you foresee them in some ways being ready and the way that they have looked in spring training, they certainly seem like they are both ready. Uh, it's really encouraging. And I was telling you guys this last time, each time that I've seen Schuster and Dodd pitch, I've been really encouraged with the fact that the Braves are in a good position with these two to not drop off. You know, if you need to call on them at any time, and I wasn't thinking of them uh, earning that fifth starter spot yet. Um, I thought that Schuster might actually be opening some eyes, but but here we are, and they both have a great opportunity in front of them. Um, and they're they're actually pretty similar. Uh, you know, both of these guys uh, have a good three pitch mix. I actually misspoke a little bit last episode, uh, not really giving Schuster uh, a, enough credit for having three good pitches. And I, I went back and he pitched yesterday, and I was able to watch a good bit of him again, and I was just very impressed. Actually, with his third pitch, with which is his slider, it's not talked about him that much, but especially against lefties, he was getting swing and miss against uh, the Red Sox starters and uh, their lefties. And in the meantime, his fastball is, is playing a little bit up. He's got it to about 92 or 93, which has never been that that fast before. Uh, and his again, his changeup is his bread and butter pitch. It's it's elite. So you know, you throw those two, you, those three things in there. Um, fastball that velocity's up a little bit, an elite changeup, and a solid slider, and tremendous command on top of that, and he is looking really, really good. Um, and Dodd is is right there with him. I mean, it's going to be hard for the Braves to make this decision because they've both been um, close to dominant during during this uh, this spring training. Dodd also great command. I think actually he might be rated with a little better command than Schuster. Not that that necessarily means a lot in terms of you know prospect rankings, but uh, they both have tremendous command. Dodd might throw maybe a mile an hour faster than Schuster, but it's not by a lot. They both have a really good changeup. Uh, they're both coming from the left side. So this is why it's going to be really hard. It's not like you're choosing between two kind of different um, styles. There's not one righty versus a lefty. I mean, they're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. So very interesting to see how the Braves parse this out and make this decision. Uh, that being said, you know, Kyle Wright has yet to pitch. Uh, and we keep hearing that his shoulder's fine and it feels good. But I really wonder if Wright is going to be ready to go or the Braves might start the season with both Schuster and Dodd uh, on the on the roster. I have not heard that yet. I haven't really heard anybody make that prediction. But, you know, just in terms of the numbers and if Wright is going to be ready to go or not, I would be interested to see if he, if he starts the season, uh, you know, on the, on the major league roster or maybe on the IL, hopefully he will be ready to go. Uh, you know, having Kyle Wright a hundred percent for, for this season, if he, even if, 
he has to start on the IL for the first two weeks uh, is going to be super important for the Braves. Uh, that's kind of obvious, but you know, it still needs to be said. And then just a little bit more good news: Mike Soroka, uh, sorry, Michael Soroka, as he's being asked to. I mean, it's going to take me a while to get that right. Uh, but Michael Soroka is uh, getting close to getting back on the mound. He's uh, he's thrown live BP, which is kind of the last step before you get into game action uh, for spring training. You would expect him to maybe either you know pitch um, on, in a minor league game or uh, actually in on you know in the major league spring camp. So we'll have to look for that. Hopefully he can get back. Still don't think he's going to be ready to go uh, when when baseball starts back here in 10 days, but the fact that he's getting close is also encouraging as well. Again, not knowing exactly what's happening with Kyle Wright, I think Soroka being ready to go, even if it takes him, you know, three, four weeks to get ramped back up would be pretty important. So guys, you know, I can't give you a prediction between Schuster and Dodd what's going to happen. And like I said, it might not even be a choice. They might both make the big league roster. Now that might not mean that they would both make early starts, in the year, uh, in the season, but, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It might come down to the last one or two starts that they make. They probably both have one or two more starts, um, before the end of spring training. I'm sure the Braves want to see them as much as possible, uh, and see if some of this has been a flash in the pan or if this is real. Uh, I think for the most part, it's real for both of them, but it might not be me be much, um, in terms of the separation between who makes it and who doesn't. Uh, nonetheless, having two guys uh, capable and ready to go for the Braves is really great news. Uh, I don't know that you would have come in thinking, you know, if you come came into spring training this year and, and would say that Anderson and Elder would both underwhelm and Soroka would have come in with a pulled hamstring, you'd be pretty down in the dumps about it because you just wouldn't be thinking about Schuster and Dodd in the same way. But but again, they've really uh, played great, and we should be encouraged by that. All right, well, let's move on to uh, another. Uh, there, there haven't been too many um, competitions, uh, position competitions in Braves camp this season, but one, or this spring training, but one that definitely has been happening is the fourth outfielder competition. Um, and my, maybe you would say fourth and fifth outfielder. There might actually be two spots on the big league roster for these top three guys. And so I want to talk about both a little bit. Uh, Eli White, Sam Hilliard, and A.J. Pollock. Um, and what I would say just really early on, you know, Eli White and Sam Hilliard have both looked terrific. A.J. Pollock has looked okay. He certainly hasn't come out and uh, embarrassed himself or anything like that. You know, the difference is A.J. Pollock uh, is, has been a pretty successful big league player in the past. But he's, you know, he's 34 years old. He uh, did not play in the bigs hardly at all last year. Uh, so what can you expect from him? I think he is much healthier this season. You know, you have a right-handed hitter who has played center field a lot in the major leagues, but is probably a step or two slower. Uh, he's only hitting about 200 uh, during spring training right now. But again, people say a lot of great things about him. Uh, he is a you know consummate professional. He's a guy you want in your clubhouse. He's well-respected. All those things matter to the Braves, but of course what you do on the field matters as well. Uh, now keep all this in mind of being the fourth or fifth outfielder, um, you are more than likely not going to play a ton of center field, 
uh, or a ton of right field because you've got two terrific players in front of those guys in Ronald Acuna um, and Michael Harris. So this is really about left field. Uh, with Eddie Rosario being a lefty, you would expect uh, a right-hander to have a little bit of an edge in this competition because you might need, you know, that if you want to play, you know, this guy uh, against lefties and sit Rosario, then it would make sense to get a righty up there. But uh, all of these guys have played a lot of center field during spring training too, and it's obviously very valuable to have a guy who can play center if Harris were to go down or you just want to give a day off here and there to Harris or even Acuna as well. So that being said, all right, we talked about Pollock. Now, Eli White and Sam Hilliard, neither of these guys, they both have tremendous, I would say, tremendous physical tools. Neither of them have hit at the major league level, uh, and that's just true of both of them. Uh, Hilliard is this huge guy. He's like 6'5". He's kind of like a physical specimen. He, he runs fast. I think he would be probably the best option in the center field of these three now. When you see these guys, several times the Braves have played all three of these guys in the outfield at the same time, and Hilliard is the one who's playing center. That might give him a little bit of an edge in some ways. Uh, and he's played really well. He's hit 367 over the spring uh, with a uh, 567 slugging percentage, which isn't tremendous. I think he's only hit one home run, a couple doubles. Um, and then you have Eli White. You know, Hilliard is a lefty, um, whereas Eli White is coming in as a right-hander. And he's hit in a way that I don't think the Braves could have expected because he is, like I said, he's never hit in the big leagues. He's hit two, or sorry, 429. Uh, during the spring with an 893 slugging percentage. He's hit three home runs. He had a two-home run game in one game. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard everywhere. He's super fast as well. I don't think he has a, st a steal all, all spring training, which is surprising. But he's really got tremendous foot speed. Uh, I saw him hit a pretty routine ground ball to shortstop. The guy double-clutched but still got it out relatively quickly to first. And Eli White easily beat it for um, for a base hit, uh, an infield single. So he has real elite speed um, and the ability to play center field, the ability to play all three outfield positions. So, yeah, he's been probably the most impressive offensive player in all of spring training outside of Matt Olson, who's just been out of his mind uh, this spring, which is another good thing that Brave, Braves fans can be talking about. But, um, yeah, all three of these guys seem like decent options. Um, and again, you might have two spots for these three guys. Uh, one thing that you really have to keep in mind is who has options and who doesn't in terms of being sent down to the minors. Hilliard is out of options. And so that basically means if he doesn't make the big league club, uh, the Braves probably won't keep him. You know, he'd have to pass through waivers and that's unlikely. Uh, so I think that definitely gives him an edge. But the, the awkward part of that is he's a lefty. And how much does that benefit you? Now, if you if you bring in him and Pollard, then Pollard could, you know, step in and play for Rosario when a lefty's in. And then Hilliard is basically your backup outfielder, spot starter guy. Um, but, you know, he's not getting a lot of playing time in that situation. Uh, obviously, if Rosario were to come in and just really play poorly, maybe Hilliard gets more of an op opportunity at that point. But the, the interesting thing about this, right, it, it seems to lean uh, just in the situation 
of who has options and that sort of thing. It would lean towards Pollard and Hilliard making the club, but Eli White has been the best player of those three, maybe the best player in all of camp, like I said, outside of Matt Olson. So he does have options. They could send him down to AAA, but you kind of hate to not play the hot hand uh, in terms of White. So uh, what will they do? I think it's the Braves have been pretty interesting in their decision making. I think sometimes they do play the game of, you know, who has options and keeping as as much talent in your organization as possible. But every now and then they'll make a surprising decision in terms of just going with the guy who's playing the best. And so again, this one is also one that I think is difficult to 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 make a prediction of what's going to happen. You never know. I mean, in these last ten games. Some guy, somebody could pull a hamstring or, uh, you know, one of these guys could go ice cold and it would kind of make the decision for you. But so far, particularly White and Hilliard have been very uh, nice surprises. The Braves must have seen something in both of them uh, to bring them into camp. Uh, Hilliard, they got on on a trade in the offseason. And um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, but again, this is another one where you don't necessarily have a star coming in to the left field, you know, to left field, and all the projections look pretty bad for the Braves. One of probably one of the worst left field projections for any team in baseball. But there is, I mean, these guys are providing, I think, little glimpses of hope. I don't know that any of them, even if Rosario were to go down or or be bad, and and one of these guys took his place, I don't know that you you could expect any any of these guys to give you, you know. Any, anything close to uh, to all-star performance. I mean, they've just never been that those guys, but they do have some ability, and uh, it's just interesting that uh, they've been playing so well in the spring. All right, let's get into the last positional battle um, that seems pretty obvious and maybe the most the one that's of most interest to Braves fans, and that is the shortstop battle. Now, this would not have been considered a battle um, two weeks ago. In fact, if you ask Braves fans, okay, what is the shortstop battle? Who's it against? Who's it between? They would say it's between Grissom and Arcia. And it hasn't been Arcia. It's been Braden Shoemake. Uh, so this has been somewhat of a surprise to me and maybe even a surprise to Braves fans. So if you don't know Braden Shoemake, he was taken um, a couple drafts ago uh, out of college. So he's kind of an older uh, prospect at this time. Uh, he has always been a pretty elite defensive shortstop, but he just simply has never hit in the minor leagues. Uh, he's never been projected to be a very powerful guy. So when you don't have much power, you have to be able to hit for a pretty high average, get on base a good bit, be one of those guys. And quite honestly, he has struggled offensively the last um, two or three seasons. I mean, he was, I think he was one of those guys that didn't play during COVID. And then he came out the next year and really, really struggled at Double A Mississippi. Um, I mean, you're talking about hitting. I think he hit around 217 that season. Uh, and then last season, a little better. He had he had streaks where he was pretty good, and then streaks where he was pretty bad. Um, so, but he's come into camp this year, and again, he's he's a great defensive shortstop. Where you have Grissom, who is still kind of learning to play the position, and is is not as good defensively as Shoemake would be. And they've basically been about the same offensive player in camp this year. So in terms of what they both look like, Shoemake is probably looking better in camp 
than Grissom is. Now, like, you know, I, I mentioned this a lot last episode. I think Grissom has done a lot to put in work. I think he's looked decent at shortstop. I mean, you could maybe just say he's looked average, but not, not terrible. And yet you have Shoemake, who is maybe not an elite defensive shortstop, but very, very good. Like I said, they're they're hitting basically the same this off uh, this this spring training, uh, both hitting three twenty three and thirty one at bats. So you know, totally the same. Shoemaker has one additional extra base hit. Uh, they both have two doubles. Shoemaker has a triple. Uh, so neither of them have a home run. So neither of them have been displaying a lot of power. But of course, the Braves have seen Grissom display some power from last season. Shoemaker just has never been that guy. He's 6'4", but he's really skinny. He's just not the the type of player that you would ever really expect to show a ton of power. But he has hit the ball hard a lot in spring training. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, will the Braves let spring training performance totally determine who wins this job? Um, I have a hard time believing that would be the case. If they do, then Shoemake at this moment has the edge. Uh, but Shoemaker has never proven himself to be a great offensive talent. Uh, he came in with the thought of he could be a high average guy, but he has a career 259 batting average in three seasons of the minor leagues. He only has a 408 slugging percentage in the minor leagues. So just not a lot of power, uh, not a high average. And he's displaying um, probably the best offensive performance he ever has this year in spring training. So good on him for doing it. Uh, he might have put a lot of hard work in over the offseason. He's certainly playing well, and you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, so could he do it? Yeah, I think he could win the, the starting job. I still just have a hard time believing he's going to win it over Grissom. I think it's going to be a fair competition over these next 10 days or so. Um, but I, I do wonder where the Braves are internally right now with Grissom and what those those conversations are like. I still make the argument that Grissom has the higher ceiling and it would benefit the Braves more if Grissom were able to play short than anybody else in their system, and that includes Shoemake. Um, I think Grissom can become an elite offensive shortstop. And I think an elite offensive shortstop who is average defensively is more valuable than a really good defensive shortstop who is a you know has a low sh low slugging percentage maybe high average but low slugging percentage kind of guy and that's who Shoemake is right so you know at their best I still think Grissom would be the better option that being said you're not just playing for the future or what Grissom could be three years from now obviously uh, the Braves are playing to win today, and maybe Shoemaker is the better option right now than Grissom. Maybe they'll make the determination that Grissom needs a, another year uh, in the minors, send him back to AAA and let him play a full year at shortstop in the minors and get better and better. Maybe they'll do that. I just wonder if what Shoemaker is showing offensively right now is real. Like I said, he's just never proven to be this capable of a hitter um, during any of his time in the minor leagues. So, you know, two weeks worth basically of good offense, is that enough to um, to win a job? Maybe it is. Um, I just, I still have my doubts. Um, you know, that being said, 
he's getting a lot of pub. I mean, I, I've heard in the last few days his name being mentioned quite a bit, Shoemake. And uh, Mark Bowman, the, the Braves beat reporter, uh, put out a, you know, a short article today basically uh, saying that he thinks Shoemake's going to get the job over Grissom. Bowman has been pretty low on Grissom the whole time. Um, uh, the whole time that, that Grissom's been, you know, attempting to win this job. So to me, in some ways, I take Bowman's, um, Bowman's prediction as, you know, with a grain of salt. Uh, and I just really think that if anything else, this might push Grissom to, to work harder. That being said, one thing that, that Bowman mentions in the article is that Shoemaker, or sorry, Grissom has not made a start at shortstop for the past four days. That does seem a little odd. If you're trying to get this guy ready for, you know, big league, the big league job, uh, you'd want to get him as much time as possible. And he hasn't been getting that. So, um, you know, but you could say that on the back end. Of, well, maybe Shoemaker is opening some eyes and they just want to see him as much as possible. And that could be the case too. So, I think it's def if you had asked me two or three days ago, in fact, a buddy did ask me two or three days ago, um, you know, do you think Schumacher has a shot to win this job? And I said, no. And now I'm, I'm a little more on the fence. I still think it's Grissom's to lose. Uh, in some ways, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Schumacher, uh to start the, start the season. But I, I really think that um, I would be surprised if Schumacher has what it takes offensively to be the guy in the big leagues. I, it's hard to, to walk away from Grissom and his offensive potential. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's what I got for you this this time around. Se several of you have been asking uh, for my take on Ronald Acuna and what kind of career, uh, not career, well, maybe career, but specifically what kind of year he's going to have. And I really want to give that to you guys. But the fact is I have not been able to see much of Ronald uh, this spring training yet. Of course, he's been playing in the World Baseball Classic. I haven't been able to watch many of those games. Uh, and, you know, so he's been away from the team. I've been more focused on the spring training games and being able to watch some of those. So as he gets back, Venezuela just lost. So he'll be getting back to uh, spring training very soon. I hope to be able to put some eyes on him over the next few days uh, and um, give you a little bit more of an informed take on what I see from Acuna and what I really expect from him in this upcoming season. Uh, and, you know, as we get close to the season, I want to give you guys my predictions um, for several Braves players and, you know, also the team prediction and all that. I did that last uh, last spring training about this time. I want to do it again. And as we get closer and closer to the regular season, it seems appropriate to go through that stuff. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this edition of State of the Braves, and I'm going to talk to you guys really soon.